Precision Grazing Podcasts. Meet the farmers and managers taking a pasture-first approach to their businesses, building productivity, profitability and resilience, whilst improving their environment and achieving a positive work-life balance. To learn more about how the Precision Grazing team can help your business, visit www.precisiongrazing.com and book your online appointment for a chat. Welcome back to Precision Grazing, Meet the Farmer. Uh, Last week I was really fortunate to take a little road trip to Devon and Cornwall and met three inspiring farmers who've really changed their farming fortunes by turning to the paddock grazing system. I met with father and son team Mike and Sam Roberts at Blabel Farm near Wade Bridge and um, had a great conversation full of laughter and uh, also James from Precision Grazing joined us as well. So we had a look around the farm and seen how they've turned um, to a paddock grazing system, incorporating herbalise and diverse winter forage crops for their stabiliser herd and seeing really fantastic results with that. So let's go and find out more. So um, welcome to Mike and Sam Roberts. Welcome to your kitchen at Blabel Farm. Um, thank you for um, seeing me today to record our podcast. And well, welcome uh, all here. Thank you very much. We've yeah. already and we've also got James as well from Precision Grazing has uh, come up country to come and say hello as well. So we've got all the team here today. Um, yeah. So thank you. Uh, we've already had a look around at the cows, um, which are looking fabulous. The stabilizers out in the fields and. Um, yeah, so tell me a bit about Blabel Farm and how, how did it all start then, Mike? How, you start? how far do you want to go back? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think earlier you said always listen to your father, so let's go back to that. Go back to, go back to Dad, right? Well, okay. or, you know, yeah. where you made your change. Um, yeah, it's, um, well, like most farms, we, we, we was a mixed farm um, for up until the 70s. The cows went in the 70s, the sheep went in the early 2000s. Um, trying to slimline things, and um, and then we eventually gave up growing corn in twenty eleven. So we just uh, just all beef, um, just to try and make things easier, really, and, and streamline streamline our costs. But um, um, yeah, we're um, we're lucky enough that um, we inherited uh, five hundred acres. Um, Mum and dad come with uh, the grandparents bought two hundred fifty acres. Back in 1948, uh, Mum and Dad was able to double that um, in the 60s and 70s, and, um, and we sort of stayed static at 500, well, since then really. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, um, we're on the North Cornish coast, it's uh, sort of a medium loam type soil, and um, arable sort of ground as well, but uh, that's, our, that's our background really. Yeah, and you, so when you came back to take over the family farm, or did you just always... Never leave and just never, never left. No, just yeah. um, and you just mingle in. We we had we had two two staff here at the time um, with dad and myself. And um, uh, again, one one retired in two thousand and two. That's the reason we got rid of the sheep because he used to help out most of the sheep. Um, and um, and yeah, just just uh, come back from school, done a local day release at the local agricultural college, and um, 
and come home and yeah, carried on. And so what changes did you bring with you? Is that where you brought the continental breeds um, into the farm? Yeah, we used, we used to rear a lot of cows back then. And then um, then the, the subsidy system was changing and we sort of went in more so to suckler cows really. Um, we had about 120 cows at the time. Um, so we we gradually then reduced the number of cows we was buying in um, because we still had sheep at that time back in the 90s. So we had about 500, 600 ewes. And about 120 cows. So, um, yeah, not not intensive, intensive, but just, uh, you know, middle of the road, sort of um, ordinary going on, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then, what, uh, so then, Sam, uh, you have you sort of been away, come back, or are you again um, sort of. So, yeah, yeah, went, um, finished secondary school, then went on to uh, Truro College, which isn't an agricultural college, and um, studied business down in the college. Uh, stayed there for two years, um, came back to the farm, worked on the farm for six months, thought I didn't really want to do it. <laughs> so uh, off I went to uh, a local builders and went over there, worked on there for two to three years. Um, Realised didn't want to do that. <laughs> so, um, and I thought I'd, um, I'd give, give it another go working on the farm. And um, yeah, and since that point, which was must have been four or five years ago now, um, it's uh, yeah, it's certainly changed. Yeah, yeah. So, so who was the instigator of the changes then? That so because obviously you have gone on to this rotational grazing, you've changed the stock. So you went from what, a limousine now to a stabilizer. What brought about those changes then? What, the limousine to the stabiliser? Because when they came, like, was that 2005? 2005, yeah. Dad, Dad went up to, um, they, um, they went off with a group of farmers up to, um, to Yorkshire to see the stabiliser cattle company. And, um, and uh, he'd come back, yeah, saying about it then. And um, he got quite interested, you know, to see a hybrid animal. And, and pre- previous to that, we had a... Going, going back, but we had a we had a, a ridger, young ridger, twelve month old ridger, which which we put out. We didn't realise it was a ridger until um, we put it out with the cows and calves, and we we brought them out from the. No, he went out with the with the heifers and the mixed bunch of heifers and steers, and is a yearling, and um, we we took him out from there and put him with some cows and calves, and um, and twelve months later, yeah, nine months later, he had he had some young cows on the ground he caught some cows and uh, and we just noticed a difference in the growth from those those crossbred cows with the hybrid vigor of a crossbred animal um, and th- those animals all weighed about 50 to 60 kilos heavier being fed the same same amount of concentration feed as mm-hmm. what the limousines were but it's just that bigger and then of course that went off to off to Yorkshire and see these um, stabilizers with the group and um, they just thought actually yeah they might be worth a try and um, yeah, we, we uh, coincided the trip up to Yorkshire to buy a bull with a, with a friend's 40th birthday party effort, so that was, that was even better. Bonus. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, bonus. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, um, yeah, that was our first uh, first stabiliser in, in 2005. Yeah. So, um, um, we, yeah, we, we've had stabiliser bulls on the farm ever since, really. Since, yeah. So. Yeah. So is so it quite open to some changes then? Um, yeah, yeah, always was. Dad, Dad was never one to um, to follow the, the, the party line. Like this. Um, yeah, he was his, his own individual, really. Yeah. So, um, um, 
and, and Sam's been the same. Um, I know me, when Sam was at primary school, he went to my cousins um, on Lambin Day, like they do, you know, the school go off to the farm, and um, <laughs> and uh, all the school children went off chasing lambs in that field over that direction, and Sam went off the other way, and my cousin said, you know, he's just like Uncle Pete. <laughs> <laughs> he could off in a different direction than everybody else. I'd be probably trailing behind Sam yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, that, that's perhaps where it comes from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you then came back then, and did you then think we've got to go a different way? So yeah, I um, I went to some NBA um, meetings up uh, upwards. Um, that must have been four or five years ago. Yeah. And um, went with some friends, and um, they had three farm walks every year, and um, went up to two other. Um, two other farms and then came to James Evans's yep, farm yep. and um, James was work well he was on a stand there and um, he was talking about paddock raising and uh, it just sowed a seed in my mind and um, came back suggested it to dad and uh, didn't go very well as <laughs> 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 um, you don't want don't want electric fences in fields, he wants bigger fields easier, which was fair enough at the time, it was the right thing and the thing to do, but um, yeah, as time goes on, I like to say I'm right. To back my side, <laughs> <laughs> um, was, um, yeah, because we had, a, I had memories, we used to strip graze for a bit. Yeah. And, and yeah, the fodder is fantastic crop for feeding cattle, but for for sucker cows which are out in the field, ten acre field for most of the winter, it's uh, it's mess and, and it's it's horrible for me, and um and, and horrible for the guy who's shifting the fence too. Yeah. And um, and that was my visions of, of electric fencing, um, and also there was a time or two when they went through the fence and and uh, but Sam, <laughs> <laughs> the one that can run quicker. Yeah. <laughs> So it was, um, yeah, that's, that's in my defence. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what was the, then the catalyst to think, okay, was to do that change to get the electric fence in place? For what I remember, it was um, twenty nineteen um, September time. Uh, on the farm, we had zero grass at all. Um, we had to start bringing in. Uh, we had to bring in a bunch of heifers in mid September, and. Um, then we started feed, having to feed silage, and I thought, what are we doing this for? It's, they've hardly been out, and um, yeah, why, why are we doing this? This surely can't make money. Um, and Dad was to the agreement, it was quite frustrating, so um, we suggested calling up James. Okay. And um, yeah, so we called up James, that was, yeah, 2019, November, November time, and um, yeah, then he uh, decided to come on a farm visit and have a look at what we've got on the farm and um, yeah, just to um, suggest what direction we could go and um, that's where it all changed really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I must admit, I'm, yeah, I've known James's family for, for most of my life, his father went, went to college with a bunch of days with James's father and, um, and he was a clever chap as well, but... Um, um, but yeah, I'm always very considerate, but um, always very reluctant to have consultants on the farm, really. And this was what 
bracket. I've got James in, really. <laughs> and, um, yeah, because, yeah, well, yeah, what are you going to tell us any different from what we know, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, but, um, but actually, when he did come here, he was very focused, and um, I think it's probably the first or second time I met you, I think, wasn't it, James? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so it we was. Sort of, we sort of missed, missed occasions before right, with, yeah. with, your, yeah. with your intended, with your, your wife now, wasn't it? Yes, sorry, that's right. Yeah. But um, that's by the by. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we missed miss each other socially, haven't we? We missed each other socially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, and um, uh, yeah, I had James on farm, and um, yeah, he, you could see he was he, he knew what he spoke about, and um, and uh, well, yeah, you you went away, wouldn't it? You you got all our information. You wanted mm -hmm. the costumes, wouldn't it? Yeah, and. Um, Come back after he sort of costumes out and look through and had a yeah had the maps of the farm and, and what their plan was because at the time we went out about 150 acres of ground to potato maize cauliflower whatever um, and we wanted to bring that back into bring that back into the farm again really and, and put it down to grass really um, yeah cattle to, to expand the numbers. And, um, and at that time, we sort of heading from about 170 cows up to about 250. That's what our plan was. Yeah. And um, and James come back with two scenarios. And uh, well, you come back. Actually, he said, Do you want the good news or the bad news first? And uh, I said, I like the good news. I like good news. And um, he said, Well, you're in the top 10% of the supper cow. Yeah, separate farmers in the country. And I thought, well, that's, that puts you in a good position. That's very nice. <laughs> Didn't think I was there, but it was nice to be there. Um, the bad news was we were making 26 pounds a cake. Oh. Uh, so that just dumped you right back on the floor. Yeah, that was, yeah. uh, and that took a few weeks to get over. You just think, well, I know it's one of the big changes why we've done it, wasn't it? Yes. It's just in yeah. case of, yeah, the, the, the realisation that our variable costs was only making 26 pounds a cake. And... Um, that wasn't with subsidy, but it wasn't with our wages either, uh, um, and it wasn't with fixed costs. So you just think, yeah, just a gross margin basis, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah just just that. just that, and you just think, ah, oh, crikey, yeah, what's uh, what are you doing for? Yeah, what's the point? Uh, and you do have a few bad weeks after that, and you and it sort of concentrates the mind then, so it um, yeah makes you think. So James, when you come on to farm, then what are you like? What sort of questions are you asking? What are you looking at? What are you taking into consideration? Yeah, with, with these guys, it was true. they had, had this ambition to bring more you know, to recover the land that's rented out because they see that was being obviously abused is probably the wrong bit of harsher term, but continued crop wasn't it? So you felt that, and you'd seen some um, some soil washing through gateways after maize, and just a feeling that wasn't ideal and wasn't sustainable anyway would be better put grass back in that rotation. So there's an idea an aim to increase the suckling profits as it was. Um, but when I started asking you guys about some numbers in terms of profit and margin, well, like most farm businesses, the sucker enterprise or the livestock enterprise is wrapped up within the bigger business. So in the bank account, there's diversification coming in, there's a bit of subsidy. Yeah, people aren't really taking a wage, they're just taking a bit a few drawings. So it's pretty hard to see what money the business itself is actually making, the business of sucker farm. Um, so the first step was to draw out those numbers um, or to try and get some costings from you guys, wasn't it? And some of those came, came, came fairly easy. You knew what you were spending on fertiliser, what you were spending on feed, and then some machinery we had to split down because it had been used for other projects. Um, so fuel uses were split as well. And yeah, we, we ended up, we were able to come up with a, you know, a gross margin of like four cycle kind of price, which is it wasn't particularly positive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but at least having no 
knowing that made it easier to well, one give a little bit of direction, but also it reinforced the need to change, do something different. Particularly, obviously, you know, as time went forward, you knew that subtlety was sort of the writing was on the wall for that, as we know it. Mm -hmm. So that was going to drop out. We took that out, then it really wasn't going to stack up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I sort of came, and from uh, taking the costs, there was a reasonable spend on fur, the reasonable spend on feed, and the output wasn't overly high. So though you were spending quite a bit on inputs, it wasn't like you were reducing loads and loads of beef. Um, mainly because the land was being underutilised, the land wasn't growing on the grass because the way the grazing had been managed. So we came up with a couple of scenarios, I mean one was like a, a near organic scenario, which was, again was based on good grazing management with, with no inputs being used. And then another which was a higher input scenario, which led to a higher stocking rate. But at the time, both had very similar profit projection, projections. Um, as it so happens, where input prices have gone to, um, you know, thank goodness you guys, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you guys decided at the stage to go for the lower input model, which yeah. was less carries but less inputs mm. and lower risk. Mm. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness you did because the high input model was, wouldn't have worked there. Not sustainable. So you just mentioned about like great the grazing management. How were you grazing prior then to James coming out to see you? Was it just a set well, stocked? It's easier for times of the year because it's just you just drive around checking them. Yeah. But then you end up in September bringing stuff in behind. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no grass. Right. That's right. Exactly. So that's, that's where that's where the that's where the problem lies, isn't it? Because you're 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 we we just don't be short of grass because the cattle will graze the fields right down, set stock in. Yeah. Yeah. Up on the downs there's twenty acre fields up there. Um so yeah, they they stay there for three weeks and pick what they want to time and time again, don't they? Yeah. So it's um yeah, yeah. It's it's it really has changed it for us. The ease of that cattle being kept out is um, yeah. We never used to actually let the stock out until mid April May, um, and then start bringing them September October time. Whereas now it's um, well, last year it was end of February um, and kept them out till. Well, the majority of them middle of November, so oh, it's wow. a big change. Huge, huge difference. So now you've actually got grass in front of them through the summer. Yes, mm. and the winter and as well. Winter, yeah, and most of the winter, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, the farms never look so green. No, this no, on the what would this be? Twenty sixth of October, is it? Twenty seventh of October. Yeah. yeah, we've never had so much grass on farm, um, which is a nice feeling. Yeah, really nice feeling. The way you got started, what, what you didn't. Although we had this sort of a couple of options for farm, didn't we, in terms of the, the overall business? Because it's always nice to start with a five-year vision. Yeah. Because the five-year, ten-year vision helps you make your day-to-day -day decisions, doesn't it? In terms of what animals to keep, what lays to sow, what instructions to put in. Um, but the way you got started was in the 2020s, you'd sown in some herbalates, and you just couple fields, and they went under mid-tier. No, we just don't offer them back. Yeah. We've done yeah. 25 acres in the autumn of 2019, mm -hmm. and. Um, and that was we put a little bit more clover, yeah, because we I think we put in nearly two kilos of clover, um, in those in that we had it um, as a herbs mix and uh, well and with a bit of um, bit of manipulation from ourselves as well what we wanted, mm. and um, and we found out that uh, the following summer we um, yeah they grow loads of grass they kept their twenty five acres plus another about nine acres of 
of sort of permanent grass they went into as well. Um, but they sort of kept 70 steers on there all summer without their fertilizer. Right. And all of a sudden you thought, wow, yeah, that was, um, that was easy. Yeah. And that was cheap. Uh, and then and from that was stood in the paddock, wasn't it? That was stood in the paddock, yeah, because yeah. it came. for a year yeah, only, so let's not do yeah. the whole farm, just not jump, you, know, you didn't want to jump in both feet first. No. So let's put a finger in. Yeah. And, um, and if we looked on the farm for an easy win, where would be quite productive, um, the right sort of area for the group size that you had. And so there's a group of yearling steers, wasn't there? So last year's calves um, that would be available to graze, could be grazed as a whole group, perhaps they normally be split into two, but could go as one. Um, and there's this area of land that we recently seeded, we'd be fairly productive, um, and there was a bit of water to it, so it wouldn't take too much effort or cost too much to split into paddocks. So I think we went out, was it early March? Yes. Was yeah. Yeah, first week of March, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Because it grew a lot of autumn. And we went out with a bit of a plan is to split it into was it nine paddocks in the end? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nine paddocks. Make sure there's water access in those paddocks. Um so we got it split up, measured the grass, didn't we, and came together with a bit of a plan to start grazing that. Um, and the cattle got turned out there pretty soon after, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hector, Hector paddocks, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. Paddocks. And how long were they in each hectare for? At the first rotation, it was um, well three three to four days because of of course the growth over the winter period, and yeah. um, there was pretty tall covers. And so we staggered then we so they started off moving a little bit quicker. Yes, because we started with nine hectares all the same height. Yeah, yeah. And when you start in year one, that's the hardest thing to do, isn't it? Because if you Operating a grazing system, you normally like to see a wedge where paddock one's got the most grass, paddock one's got the least, mm. and then as you go around, the grass grows to you. Oh, okay. But starting as a, from a reseed in year one is all the same height, mm. so it meant you had to have the confidence to go out a bit earlier with like half the animals, and then start grazing by moving sort of quicker to a couple of days of paddock, which was wet, was good anyway, so say mm. there's no grain impact, and then to slow up to these three or four days per paddock. Once you sort of got halfway round, and that sort of created a bit of a wedge, didn't it? Yeah. So yeah. some paddocks had less grass, some had more, yeah. so you could keep a bit more control as the growth started to accelerate and then add the rest of the cattle. Yeah. Um, we, we started off because because our cattle weren't used to better fences neither. Oh. Um, so we started off in a little two acre field here beside the beside the yard and put the electric fence against the hedge. And then on day one and then day two we'd come out a bit further mm -hmm. and day three it'd come out a little bit further again. So we just got them used to it at the start of it, yeah, because yeah, our cows would have been used to electric fence with a fodder beat in, in previous years, but um, but actual young cattle never seen one before. So um, a few times they went, um, yeah, yeah, they flew for the thunder, but um, yeah, it worked. Yeah, and how much training did it take for you guys? Because obviously the cows would have been really quite easy to do to change um, to the system. Well, you how? Touch anyway, Mike. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no training for me because yeah. I don't do nothing to it. So <laughs> I just get told. But just to like, I mean, to get that mindset of going from, like you say, putting however many on that 20 acres upon the dams to a nine hectare paddock being moved every three days. I mean, like, how was that for you guys? For me, um, the first year was vital for measuring because once you get measuring the grass, once, then you get an eye for the height of grass and how many kilos of dry matter are in the hectare. Then you can start seeing what will need to be given to the cattle. Um, so that... The measuring the first year and we measured a bit the second year as well but once once you get your eye in it does make it a lot easier yeah. and the measure is helpful because you would measure that there's only nine hectares or nine paddocks you go measure nine paddocks with a plate meter 
get the cover height in kilos dry for Hector, um, and then you could message that through to me. And then I didn't have to come here once a week to give you yeah. a bit of advice, yeah. draw pictures, and about a weekly or bi-weekly measurement, and then we could say, yeah, things are going well, keep on the same rotation length, keep them for three, you know, keep stay in that pallet for three days, or crash is getting ahead, drop a pallet out. I think in that first year you're going to take a bit of silage off that yes, yeah. block, weren't you? It's yeah. improved pretty well, especially early on. And then as the growth slowed down later in the season, you took over to add a bit more area into that rotation. And obviously, cattle became heavier as well. Yes. Yeah. So. What was it like, though, seeing, you know, like putting that back fence off that first paddock that was grazed and then seeing it regrow within a few days? Was that like a bit of a. It, to be honest with you, that first year was. It was a bit of a tougher year, wasn't it? Not was it really dry? It was dry spring, dry cold spring. That was it. Dry cold spring, and um, and it still still grew back really well in that dry cold spring, which was <laughs> when you um, all the other animals in the other fields where they were set stopped, they just had nothing, whereas it was it was just bolting. Yeah, and it was um, yeah. Really then we soon we soon we soon um, we soon went about. Paddling up the rest of them as well, wasn't it? Because, yeah. because in in um, in 2019, you know, the year before the, the year that James came on farm first, um, we just done it in the tier application, and um, um, we we put in for a lot of fencing. Uh, yeah, because our hedges weren't fenced very well before. Yeah, they were just pretty shoddy, and um, which um, when the cows were set stock didn't really matter. No, that's they right. weren't having put too much no. pressure on the hedge for some, yeah. most of the year. So. Um, so we had a lot of three strands of bar fencing gone up in 2020 and, and if, if the only thing that good came out of COVID was that Sam stayed home a lot and done a lot of work. <laughs> party and, and, and on a Sunday he would religiously go out with his plate meter and walk the farm and um, yeah, but um, so that, that's what he done that first year, wasn't it? Mm. And, um, and yeah, we, we, and then James came back in, in May, uh, third week of May I think it was, and um, and just help set up. We've got 90 acres up on the downs, and it's in four fields, three 20 acres and a 30 acre. And um, we always used to have like two bunches of 40 cows up there. So um, and we put a, two strands of itensile metric right up through the middle because it's just like one narrow strip it is of, of 90 acres. And, um, and when James went away, we ended up with 32 paddocks. No way. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so, all of a sudden, going from four nice fields, <laughs> four, uh, 32 barracks. <laughs> you think, how am I going to get to the other end? We're putting fences down and all that, but yeah. Then, yeah well, the, yeah. the option of 32 barracks, isn't it? Because the, yeah, there's a right. permanent infrastructure through the middle of those fields. Yeah. So, we split 20 acre fields into two 10 acre rectangles then. Yeah. But because power and water follow that fence line, it's then easy to break those into paddocks. And also because labour piece was, you don't want this to be more labour, did you? So no. so permanent troughs were also put in. Ah, okay. So there's yeah. permanent water to potentially 32 pallets. Oh, wow. Um, and all that's missing is a polywire fence to create the pallets themselves. Yeah. Um, but the fence is because the field's split in half already, the width of that fence or this length of that fence is only no. 150, 200 metres to put yeah. in. Yeah. And again, hectare pallets. Yeah. So we've got the hectare pallet rate. And has. Um, have you seen like the quality of the grass change up there, or was that a reseed as well, or have you just let that rest? And no, that was that was twenty-year-old uh, grass upper. Yeah, last reseeded twenty years ago. Um, so, um, but I don't think the, the, 
it helped, but it, you just noticed the, the regrowth. That's mm. what you notice the most, isn't it? Is because you, you've got rest. So yeah. instead, of, instead of previously, there was always there's over like 45 acres which is being grazed. Um, up there now, there's only five acres which is ever being grazed. Mm. Yeah, because there's there's 85 acres resting. Because you've got two groups of cattle there, and they're always in just in one paddock, yeah. you know, one hectare paddock or two and a half acres. So there's only ever five acres being grazed, and there's 85 resting. And it's just, yeah. How, how has that changed for you, that word rest and resting the ground? Like, what are the benefits of that that you've seen? Because that's something that wouldn't have really happened before you set stocking, is it? Um, it's for, for that. Well, ninety acres up downs. We then put in a herbal lay. Oh, okay. So that the rest especially helped the herbal lay. Um, it helped the smaller herbs. It helped the clover to really um, to really flourish. Um, and um, the productivity on that is super. It's really increased since yeah. being able to rest and fully regrow to the correct height. It's um, yeah. It has helped. I guess also the rest is what the rest has enabled, whether you attribute it to the rest or not, is you're growing more grass today without fertiliser than you were with fertiliser, isn't it? So you by creating the infrastructure and enabling this rest period between grazing events by having paddocks. So when you've got eighty five acres rested and five being grazed at one time, any time of the year on that block, that's enabling you to grow more grass without any fertiliser. Whereas under set stocking, you always have to put fertiliser on the other bit mm-hmm. to try and lift the productivity artificially. With obviously the cost of that is, is increased quite a bit now. As well as the um, the set stocked, we'd be feeding the calves creep, mm-hmm. um, we'd be feeding the cows hay because there'd be no grass up there at the well, mid to late October. So the, all of the costs have just dramatically gone down, and the need for the feed to be taken to them is uh, yeah, has been been reduced. Um, one of the most important things now with the cost of fertiliser is that it, previously from you know, 2019 and, and before um, we always bought three Arctic rows of fertiliser and um, in 2020 we bought two um, and then in 2021 we noticed that you know the, the herbal days was because we had them we've gradually increased in our herbal days uh, and we seed in these these areas because um, um, with with the with what with the ground we were bringing back as well um, we were reseeding that with herbal days and um, in 2021 we bought one and uh, last October we were looking at fertilizer prices and I think it's about 600 pound a ton and um, we thought well what's the point why why would we want to buy fertilizer with that sort of money and um, um, and we had about eight bags of fertilizer left in the shed from the previous year, um, so we decided not to buy any. So, um, so this year we've just used eight bags of fertilizer, which very sparingly went on um, about sixty acres of whole crop, um, and um, um, no, it went on about forty acres of whole crop and about thirty acres of silage. So it's um, yeah, so we um, we haven't used any other fertilizer than that yeah. this year. And, 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 and well, not looking to buy any next year. So, so. But some of that first spend you have flicked into more infrastructure, isn't it? Um, so yes. Fences yeah. set up more That's right. That's right. Yeah, because we, we would have been spending like £20,000 on fertiliser before a year. Um, 
So, um, yeah, so that I've gone on extra yeah, concrete troughs and infrastructure and digging pipes in and um, all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's like a one-off investment because now you spent a couple of years doing that. That's in yeah. place. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. And it's very domain. Yeah, one of the reasons we never done a lot of fencing before around our boundary hedges was because the, the, the pull and state of our panelised timber. Yeah, because it just just seemed to be a waste. Mm. And you put it up, and, and eight years time, you've got to start replacing stuff again. again. And and uh, just in the peel it, it's just just uh, just a waste. So, uh, but yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, we 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 had a, we had a, a mid-tier grant for for percentage of it and um, for our hedgerow fencing. But then other fencing, we just done a single strand of electric, and, and yeah, that's easy. Yeah, that's so easy. And yeah, the kiwi, the kiwi equipment, the, the fencing posts are yeah, they're um, they're brutal. They are. They're just um, they're um, like everlasting. Yeah, you can you can bend them round into a uh, well, hundred eighty degrees, well, no, <laughs> three hundred sixty degrees, whatever it is. But yeah, just um, they, they, still they, they still survive. Yeah, Toyota Hilux of the fencing world. Yeah, you've used those fiberglass posts. Well, a lot for it to split a lot of the fields permanently and you reduce yes. the yeah. tensile yeah. and then also put some more oh. boundaries. Yeah, yeah. the ten mil posts we, we've used some to split the split the, the fields up downs and also the, the fences through the middle of the fields. Um you know, we'd have a we'd have a, a chestnut, big chestnut stake on each end or a, a telegraph pole on each end and then we put the the fibergram Kiwi tech ones in the middle. Mm. And um yeah. That's been cheap as well, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Is that the first of this year, this trialling of that um, um, system? Or? We, we've done a little bit of that. We're, um, through James and in 2020, when, he, when everything was webinars and single meetings and that, um, he had a webinar with Hannah Jones, Dr. Hannah Jones, who's very keen on, very keen on soil and grasses and herbs. And um, she gets very excited if, she, if you see a spade. And that time you know, it was when we'd done our first herbal lay and uh, I was quite interested in it and I, I gave her a phone call and rang her up and asked her a few questions and um, and um, then um, she came out on farm and um, and then she sort of asked the question they were doing a farm net zero project here in Cornwall, Cornwall. so um, and what enough we get involved with that and um, and because we was paddock grazing and using herbs and herbal days and quite interested in it, we sort of, we sort of um, took up the challenge to become a, a demo farm for them. And there's three demo. I think they've got about forty or fifty farms where they're doing soil samples in, in the county, um, yeah, over a five year period, just to see what organic matter is like in, in these fields. And um, um, we became one of the three demo farms. So we like the beef side of it. Oh, excellent. And um, and then that sets you off in a in a, in another level for <laughs> for being interested because all of a sudden you've got you know I've said this before you've got we got um, there's Becky Wilson who's on with a farm net zero project. She knows everything about carbon and um, sequestration and, and doing the figures to 
for your farm crop and toolkit. There's Hannah who loves soil and herbs and grasses. James who's spot on with his paddock raising. And we've got them all in, in the county, well, all within yeah. a 20 mile radius from us, or 40 mile radius. And um, yeah, it's just great to have these people involved in the farm, really. And so, so we sort of got involved with the, with the mixed species or diverse mixes, what I'd want to call them. Um, last year, we was doing a uh, project with Farmnet Zero, but we had, they had a little problem with the seed company and ended up having to go with somebody else and they were late turning up on farm and, and it was like September when they drilled. So it was just, um, they, they didn't turn out to be much. But, um, so this year we, we want to do the same and um, we sort of inquired about five different seed companies about the prices of all the different seeds because we don't want to have expensive seeds, we mm -hmm. want to know what the price of the seeds were to begin with. And two replied and um, and then we sort of went down and said what mix what seeds we want in each mix and we had four mixes. One was a three species, one was a six species, a ten and a thirteen species mix. And um, so we just put them in in different fields, um, some which we had hay in in June um, and dist up and um, we had the seed on farm in June and, um, and they never got planted until the end of August because of the dry summer. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they've come on tremendous in the last few months. Yeah, really took a pain. And that, they're, yeah, they're the, the 10 and the 13 species mix where you've got a lot of radish and you've got a bit of rape, a bit of kale. Forage rye, um, fodder radish, taken radish, winter vetch, hairy vetch, two lots of clover, um, bit of sunflower in there to make it look pretty. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, yeah, just. It, well, they it, were looking amazing, considering, like you said, they didn't get planted until towards the end of August, and yeah. I know we've got a warm October, haven't we? But uh, yeah, it's been wet and warm. They've, yeah. they've grown really well, haven't they? And then they'll be used as a winter feed, is it? Yes. Yeah, that'll be uh, winter feed for so um, for the uh, our weaned calves. So that's why James is up here today to go through our winter feed budget. Um, so we've um, we've measured uh, the grass fields which we're going to outwinter on for the cows, as well as the um, forage crops for the weaned calves. So you're seeing these forage crops as a yeah we fully bought in on me to the sort of principles, regenerative fine principles of keeping the ground covered and always having a living root. Um, and also quite liking, you know, you've dropped out the artificial fertiliser, trying to find ways of not using any other additional chemicals in the farming system, one because of cost and two because of impact on soil health. So trying not to use glyphosate in the farming system is a bit of a challenge at the minute. Mm -hmm. um, so you guys, um, so after how you dissed the fields, didn't you? Lightly dissed, very shallow, shallow depth, and then went in once the moisture was on the horizon, what well, diet drilled into those swords yep. with this diverse species mix yep. to establish the forage crop. The diversity of the forage crop, we, you were hoping to do a couple of things. What, what did you hope the benefits of that diversity in the crop would do for the animals and for the soil? For the animals, we wanted to have a good tonnage of dry matter for the calves and to have a, as well as have a roughage for the calves not having to need their hay or haylage added in. Um, it's like create a TMR in the field. Yes. Rather yeah. than just growing yeah. a, a monoculture brassica and then having to feed the farmers with it to try and give some fibre or some protein or some energy or something. Well, and also it's a case that you know, we, we, we always put in 
rape or kale in the past, and, and you get this lovely little pretty little butterfly come along, and, and <laughs> yeah. lay the little caterpillars, and then they might shrivel, don't you? Yeah. And then you've got to go and put a pesticide on uh, to kill them, and then of course that residue gets down in the soil, and that actually doesn't do your biology in the soil any good. Yeah. So yeah, and it it all gets really interesting, but actually you 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 look back and you actually think. Your know, grandparents were already brought up on organic food, weren't they? Yeah. And it wasn't until the Second World War that chemicals actually became the new fashion. And um, and yeah, you know, we've been we've been on we've been junkies towards chemicals for the last seventy years. And um, and you just think, well, you know, the the soil uh, and the ground used to grow all the crops we needed previous to that. Yeah, it might have been it might have been fast farming, but um, but yeah, it was it was it was farming of a healthy nature, isn't it? and we know fast food ain't good for you. Slow food's better, and, and actually, I think, yeah, slow slow. Not I'm not saying that we're slow farming because we're we're producing more grass, but the, it it's you know you aren't you aren't pushing the ground with with chemicals and and, and fertilizers. So actually, you're you're actually looking after the ground more. We're using management rather than inputs to drive it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, yeah. just like looking at the crops and the grass. You know where we went to see then the cows and calves. You know, it's green. It's isn't it? It's not like it's. Um, it's not, like it's not lack- no, no, it's no, not no, lacking no, in anything. No, it's not like no. you think. Oh, <laughs> it was like it's a vibrant. <laughs> it's green. It's fresh. It looks yeah. great, isn't it? And the. Yeah, yeah. Um, animals are looking really good on it as well. Um, I think chemicals in some ways displaced management and effort mm. made it easier. The quick fix, isn't it? Yeah. It was a quick fix time-wise, but it wasn't a quick fix capital value of the farm-wise. Yeah. Sort of health Not for you health. as a farmer. Someone else is winning, isn't it? That yeah. For them, it's always yeah. the money's leaving, isn't it? Um, yes. yeah. Whereas now at least the money is staying in and not going off yeah. is it which is is key in the improvement the soil and the plants and the stock and everything and even you know even for you guys isn't it you know personally it must feel better an improvement to you yes it's it's definitely an improvement to us when you yeah firstly when you look at the bank balance yeah <laughs> <laughs> as well as it's just nice so being... my mother just put in room yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't tell her there's money in it yeah. spending it <laughs> As well as just keeping the animals out for longer and them being outside where they should be and they need to be. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then that, them being outside longer meant less slurry when you're done to handle. Yeah. So you then spend less time on a tractor, bringing feed in and taking dying slurry out. Yeah. And then you deal with that and find a home for that and stuff. Um, so it's a, yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there were challenges in transition when you then you had a bit of challenge where You've sort of been doing both systems. You've had both animals out and animals in, so you've been have to be in the morning, after you both places at once. But as the systems now getting they fully progressed, and most of the animals are outside, they're having a bit of an impact on your labour and your time in the mornings and stuff. Just having you in one place. Yeah, yeah. And for me, with all of that, as you say about the moving of the dung, with you've got all the cattle inside in the sheds. I still remember when James came on farm, one of the first times, and he said, well, "What? What do you?" what do you want to do and what do you like doing and and we thought well what do you mean we're farming and the more more you think about it the more it's, it's true because for me personally I don't really enjoy sitting in a tractor and um, why why would I want to keep more stock inside when that involves sitting in a tractor, tractor. more often mm-hmm. 
so it's um, yeah that that those couple of questions really uh, made me think a lot, especially when it wasn't like you by setting a tractor you'd be deriving a massive profit. Yes, through a really yeah. sustainable method of farming, yeah. which maybe you can employ some nurses to sit in the tractor. Yeah, yeah. When you did the numbers, that wasn't going to be the case. Actually, it's going to make you pretty worse off financially. Yeah, and you'd have to sit in the tractor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so double. Yeah. So, yeah. How is it though, like having someone like off James come in and then like ask those questions and making you sort of either step back and then like look at what you were doing. I mean, was that a, was it a bit uncomfortable, or was it a bit of an awakening? Or well, you look at me first. <laughs> <laughs> did some find it harder than others? I I I I think it was good because um, farmers rarely get challenged because you carry on doing your own thing mm. and no one actually comes to you and challenges you for what you're doing currently and. Um, it was definitely needed, otherwise we'd still probably be in the same situation. Or a car will be in there. Yeah, and all the car will be in there. So, yeah, it's... Um, I'll have to destroy somewhere. Yeah, you just need a, you do need a shake sometimes to realise. And, and the problem is, you know, you, you look at farmers and, and because you're that busy, you know, you, you don't very often get time to look outside, do you? No. And, and I, you know, and you yeah, those are in livestock. If they're if they're milking, yeah, they're milking cows. They're they're feeding up and they're pushing pushing slurry, aren't they? Milking, feeding up, pushing slurry. You just mm. don't get time to look outside to see what, or just go off farm isn't it? and just see what somebody else is doing because it's you're just tied to that job all the time. Isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. Um, and the, yeah, the pressure is even more now with, with high fertilizer prices and high energy costs, and it just um, and it's just just actually taking a look outside and yeah, if it's they're just, it, it's sort of come at a, well, whether it's a good, good time perhaps for climate or whatever, but yeah, high prices of fertiliser and, and a dry summer, but a bit of double whammy, and it's mm. actually made people think more about what they're doing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, with the dry time, we, we've, uh, we've had our, had the whole farm this year. Again, we've, we've not buying any fertiliser, we've sort of said, right, we'll, we'll get the whole farm, um, um, Soil sample, so um, we've uh, we've done that, and um, we're um, we've we've actually gone and um, uh, done organic matter, um, the P's and K's and nutrients, the um, the uh, biology of the ground. Yeah. So um, and actually, it's it sort of shows that actually there's um, there's uh, some of the fields up on the downs have got sixteen and a half percent organic matter, but that our um, but yet our arable ground, which had been in arable for many, many years, is down to about four, oh, four wow. and a half. So, um, so you just think, okay, that's, that's something that we need to try and try and revert and change, isn't it? It's yeah. Just, um, well, be opportunity. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, it's really that. Organic matter comes from nutrient variability, moisture, you know, capacity, you know, capacity yeah. to hold moisture, right. yeah. whether yeah. that's as a public good to stop water running off and going somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Or is for a personal benefit, which is growing more grass in the dry time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the dry times we experience don't need to be as dry as they have been. Yeah. If you have that organic matter there to hold moisture. Yeah. But just the, um, you know, seeing that increase, like, isn't it? So now you know that it's 4% and actually if you're going to test that, say, every, I don't know, like every two or four years and seeing that number increase, that will be like a real 
kudos, isn't it? And like something new, well, we've done that, or yeah. our cows have done that, and we've helped them achieve that, isn't it? It's, well, yeah. Yeah. What's also exciting means that there's, there's a farm here that's yet to be, you know, every farm's got some hidden potential, hasn't it? Yeah. And um, it's going to take a while to fully explore that. So you, you've started tapping into it because the set stock farm's now been rotationally grazed. Mm. So you've tapped into all this extra light energy capture, which has always been, you know, some of them were shining on the farm, wasn't it? Yeah. But because it's set stock with pasture height was always short, plants were always depleted of energy. So you've tapped into that, and now the other piece to tap into is the downs has got lots of organic matter, but the soil, was like, soil biology was quite sort of sleepy, not very active because of the set stock nature of the grazing. So as that comes, better, you'll get more production there. And then the other fields are in arable, there's a chance to build more fertility into them and more resilience and more productivity. So it's interesting to think that the farm may end up becoming the high input scenario without the need for inputs in terms of stocking rate. Mm. Because it will become more and more productive as the land's managed in this way. And by, by the, 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 the diversity of species, hopefully it's been a fast track yeah. Towards getting that matter captured and improving soil biology mix um, to just, just to lift productivity. I think that's the goal that's being laid down. Is that farms need to be because fixed, you know, some unavoidable fixed costs that are going up on the electric, bit of fuel and machine depreciation. So farms need to be productive, but but, but farm in a way that reduces you know healthy food and care for the environment you know, without using much carbon or any carbon. So that's the sort of goal that's being laid down. Mm. And that's part of the net zero project, isn't it? They're looking to see if hydro yeah. farms become carbon neutral better in, in a five year period. Mm. Um, and it's going to be through methods like you guys do now. Yeah, and, and also you just, you just you, know, you, you pick up, you know, I'm with James's group, you've got a WhatsApp group, and there are some guys on there which which must listen to podcasts every day of the week. And um, and yeah, and yeah, take my hat off to them because they're, they're so knowledgeable and they, they just transfer this year, this year knowledge through the WhatsApp group. And um, and with with uh, and that, that's the same as with uh, with a net zero. All of a sudden, you realise that actually slurry is eighty times more toxic. Yeah, slurry nitrous ox slurry produces nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is produced when your dung is mixed with your urine. So in a in a straight passage situation in a slurry pit, you've got all this mixing up together. It ends up in the pit, and you've got nitrous oxide, which which isn't good for the environment. One of one of our biggest problems mm. in, in farming. Um, but the more you keep cows outdoors, then you know, they're they're pooing there and they're peeing here, aren't they? Yeah. And it's 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 totally separate. You haven't got that problem. So it's but then it's also getting that across to the actual retailers to say that we're doing it, we're doing this, and and uh, and this is better than that. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's also cattle outdoors in the right way, isn't it? It's not just saying, yeah. well, right. yeah, we're chucking, we're chucking, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're chucking that field, field and yeah, and they'll keep it in place. Yeah. 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 So it's. And that's the, that starts with the yeah that starts with the design system and it starts with the grazing management yeah. it starts yeah. with, with with capturing more light so you've got surplus of grass to push ahead to defer to make move some hay to buffer with um, and to create these areas in the farm as you're heading to autumn winter now you've got a lot of grass ahead of you which will carry animals for a while outside yeah. I also think now that the diversity, isn't it? You uh, showed a little video earlier on your phone, which is just fantastic, where you'd planted the herbal lays and you'd put the smaller herbs in and you're like, well, where have they gone? And then you did the trial. So do you want to just tell me about mm. that? Because the video, because you can't like show a video on a podcast, but it was just hilarious. Um, yeah, so so our, fir our first um, herbal lay we put in had uh, chicory, plantain, 
um, sheep's parsley, sheep's burnet and yarrow as the herbs and then I had, um, I had about two kilos of clover which was about a kilo and a half of white and uh, half a kilo of alcyke and a little bit of birch foot truffle. Um, and um, the, so that was autumn sown. Um, in the following summer, you know, spring and summer, you went out to see where all these herbs was. You could see the chicory and plantain, that's everywhere. Um, but these smaller ones, you just couldn't see. A bit of yarrow, yarrow is quite hardy. Um, but the, the other three, the, the, the truffle, the sheep's parsley, the sheep's brunette, you couldn't see it. You might see alcohol, but you couldn't see it. And you think, well, why am I spending yeah, 10 or 15 quid on, on that seed when you don't actually see anything? And, um, so we had another 20 acres to seed out in 2020 autumn, and um, we decided to put in the ryegrass mixture with like two kilos of clover and just chicory and plantain in the field. But through the centre of each paddock, um, so we had strips going through the field of um, 12 metre strips of um, smaller herbs. So we put in um, your sheep's parsley, sheep's burnet, yarrow, a bit of birch foot trefoil, and just to thicken up the bottom, we put in um, timothy and metafescue because we didn't want anything to, to, to compete too heavily with the small herbs. And, um, when Sam was um, shifting, we had a bunch of 70 heifers in this year group, which was rotating around this year 20 acre block. And um, he, he brought in a video of the heifers when they moved from one paddock to another one. They just stood on this 12 metre strip and just nailed it into the ground, basically. <laughs> and um, and they, they just, they just they had grass either side and, and, and chicken and plantain, but they just, just sat on this year old grass and, and small herbs. Yeah. Um, just had it right down the ground. And like the picture is, they're literally not even putting a foot on no. either side, are no, they? They're right. literally they're just, confined just that to that strip. There's 70 of them, however, yeah, just in that paddock. And, and we went out and we thought, well, this is, this is no good because we've seen the paddock before and they had that down right yeah. there. And, um, and um, so we only even spread dung on the next paddock that it's going into to try and alleviate that problem, which, which helped that rotation. But then the next rotation, they come, come back, back and nail that as well. So it's, um, yeah. just, but it just shows that they know what they want, isn't it? Like the the diversity in those herbs is mm -hmm. what their bodies are craving, isn't it? So they know what in the nutrients and things, and obviously they must taste delicious as well, mustn't yeah. they? For well, them, it, make, it makes you think those don't micronutrients. You, you never thought that before. No, because yeah, because their grass is green. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they, they got to like it. Yeah, but um, so it's. It, I think farmer system wise, we always quantify energy and protein, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And we forget about the trace, the micro macronutrients, yeah. and um, and the role they have on that good animal health and good animal performance. Um, and so yeah, yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good awareness, wasn't it? It's giving you guys yeah. much more confidence yeah. and willingness to spend a bit more on a bit more diversity, even if the benefits aren't immediately obvious yeah. from a tons of dry matter or any value. Yeah, and um, we got we got um, we got uh, there's two fields about twenty acres which have come back now, last of what we've rented out have come back, that's, in, that's been in maize now for two years. And, um, and we're going to put, in the spring, we'll probably put diverse mix in there for the summer, for perhaps graze cattle in um, through the summer, but, but um, and hopefully that will, that will draw up minerals and also yeah, put down a lot of organic matter with, with deeper rooted species of, of, of this radishes and, and what have you, and also put, put, put enough clover in there or legumes in there to actually fix some more nitrogen um, but in the autumn we want to do 20 acres of this year 
like special mix that these are small herbs. Yeah. Um, so and then then that all those fields will be packed up, so they'll have a yeah they won't be able to nail it right in the ground. They'll be. And then just just try some just try some cattle in there and just yeah. see how they perform compared to the to the other ones. Really. Yeah. We're getting very close to uh, old hay now, aren't we? Where that, yeah. yeah, which would produce yeah. that medicine hay that yeah. we switch yeah. when hay you give a sick yeah. animal yeah. and yeah. would you know, would someone's help fix them. Yeah. Have you seen a change in the stock's health, or were they pretty healthy anyway, or yeah. do you think you... Yeah, I've definitely seen a difference in the action. For paddock grazing, you aren't, um, you aren't constantly nailing the grass right down to really, really low covers, which then helps the worm burden. Mm -hmm. So um, we haven't needed to worm the cattle um, this year um, because there's, there's no need for it. Um, pretty help maybe dry some off we have to bet and the fact you went on yeah. a really long rotation yeah but equally you guys are very good at you know, your grazing management's evolved a bit isn't it when we when you started 2019 2020 um everyone's got to start somewhere and so the easiest way to teach someone grazing management is you use sort of 3d for all plate meter grazing you know, go in at beer can graze land golf ball hmm. but as you manage as you get used to as you get some experience in grazing management then you can start throwing some of the tools, can you? So you guys are quite good now at your, your residual, what you leave behind is a bit of a consequence of how much grass you put ahead of you and how quick you're moving. So there's been times this year where you've had a surplus where you've just gone quick, left quite a bit behind, which has then helped protect the grains, helped regrow quicker, helped in the dry periods, preserve some moisture, and also ensure pretty good animal performance because they've been fed out of So you guys aren't always regimented in, we must graze the four centimetres. Mm. You're actually quite flexible and now you're on your final round now, now you're grazing a bit lower, aren't you? Mm, yeah. Right stock class. Yeah. To yeah. reset the pastures to enable good grass, good quality to come back through for the spring. Yeah, and then that knocks on to like the health and things of the animals. And yes. Yeah, and and as James said, it's always it's you're always trying to plan for the next rotation. Well, for us now, this is one of our last rotations, so we're trying to plan for the best possible um, outcome in the spring. So if you get the best platform of grass there you can you can turn out well you can you've got enough grass there from the first of mm. march or whenever the yeah. ground starts drying up and, and also now you're with with the with the spring uh, spring grazing and you're you're we're, we're turning out end of february beginning of march so um and yeah they, they might be on a on a two-day shift in a day yeah, yeah just if there's a bit, bit inclement a bit wet um just keep it moving around but they're out and um um and you, you try and graze off the whole whole farm isn't it? before the beginning of May. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and then you close up for solid gen. So everything's nipped off and, and that winter grass is, is taken off. So you've got nice fresh grass then mm. for if you're gonna make your make your bit of silage, isn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah. And get out of the visual circle with not being able to turn out actually to make need to make silage. And the yeah. reason you haven't yeah. turned out yet. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is so true in so many systems. Yeah. It's just yeah. that element of factor why yeah. you haven't turned out because yeah. the British size grain's closed up. Yeah, that's so true. So it's just been peaks. So um, but it takes a lot of break that, doesn't it? So you've got to be yeah, right. you've been good at doing a few experiments along the way just to prove things for yourself. And then mm -hmm. where something's worked, you've been able to expand that idea rapidly across the farm, you know, particularly where you've been willing to transfer money that's been spent on inputs to make money on it, spending money on infrastructure mm -hmm. to the point where your day to day work now I believe is pretty low, isn't it? It's not very low. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. take long in the morning to see stock and, and shift the facts. Yeah. No. Yeah, for on, on our farm we 
we like the idea of having all of the paddocks set up at the start of the season. We um, it might be not the most cost-effective way um, for having to buy all of the stakes to begin with, but for the so we set the paddocks all up into hectare paddocks at the start of the season. Then it's all done. So all we've got to do every morning is go to the certain stock and um, whip around them, see they're all all right, and then move on to the next paddock, which is yeah, fifteen minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's very very easy and um, yeah. One one of my main concerns when we started this was that Sam was going to need a quad. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's uh, not old uh, enough for one yet. Yeah, and we have history reports today, right? Yeah, he needs another one there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, because there's also the opinion that if you have a quad, you can get fat on you, basically. Oh, yeah. And you, yeah, when we had sheep, I'd run everywhere. I don't run everywhere. The dog was useless, and we had to run everywhere. And I always wanted a motorbike bike, and I eventually got one I was about 27 and I fell off too many times and hurt my fingers and I thought it's no good you gotta go so. <laughs> <laughs> they're a death trap <laughs> yeah. but no he's kept his weight then right so I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not too fat not too fat but it's not because yes there's always a balance and then you trade capital investment for labour you do worse things in life don't you yeah. you make things easier you spend more money to, for the infrastructure and um, it's just finding a balance of work for the farm, isn't it? And putting a, a good value on labour, if you're going to move a fence every two days, it means you're going to buy one fence or two fences, but you're going to spend maybe an extra 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day moving the fence, aren't you? So what's going to be worth more? What, what else can you do with your time? Yes. And yeah. when you've got other interests, lobbies, diversification projects, other people you want to spend time with, then sometimes that means it's worth spend, it's worth spending the extra money on the, on the infrastructure. Yeah. When the time's right, when cash allows as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what's the what's the future then for the farm? Where is where's where's the next step going? Or is it sort of is there a next step? Yeah, we still haven't got the whole farm in infrastructure that we want and we still we like to have the water infrastructure underground. So um and put sand in for that. Meanwhile, as well as fencing infrastructure, um, electric fences. So that will be, yeah, another year or two before we get that all done. Um, then it's just a fact of making the farm as profitable now as possible. It's it's keeping the stock out for as long as possible. The amount of days extra, we can keep them out. That's more profit for us. Mm. We'd like we like, like to get to be able to we'd like to get to a system of um, fattening stock between well seventeen to twenty one months outside. If that, what would that be six hundred kilos mm. live weight? Yeah. Um, so yeah, three three hundred three hundred twenty dead yeah. weight. I guess you're you're also going to bring isn't it? Yeah, so it's a moving piece, isn't it? Because you're you're sorting out the genetics that work in your system. The system's changed, isn't it? Yeah. So it yeah. there's again down to the cattle farming is that it takes a few more years than it does with sheep to bring new genetics through the business. Mm -hmm. So you're now starting to select animals that will do the job. Because how you're managing animals has changed, isn't it? Yeah. What's all today is all of your cows and cows in one group. Because mm -hmm. you spent money on good water infrastructure, 
which means that there's enough water for them to be in one group, but equally there's three animals in that group, which would prefer to be in a group of 40. Yeah. And so they're stopped. So it's picking out those animals and keeping their heifers mm -hmm. uh, counted as replacements. And so that's also what helps farm profitability, isn't it? If you'll be producing an animal that will thrive in your system. Yeah. It's got three million light and mature weights for the yeah. sort of look about it. And that also helps drive productivity. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's, 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 yes, it's moving away from a, a core base system, basically. Yeah. Um, and, um, and trying to get, uh, yeah, stabilizers are a great cow, um, great breed. Um, but um, we, we do need to find the right strains of more grass fed animals in them. Yeah, because they are bred as a as a as a, as a grain finisher now. Okay. Um, but um, so yeah, we we're we're looking at the the strains that we can get that will be perhaps not so big a cow, but um, yeah, something which is going to be yeah, just easier finishing off grass basically. Yeah. And and yeah, you've got to be perhaps a bit more native in that. Really. Um, and uh, as well as well as organic. Yeah. Um, organic to. Uh, if there's a way we can increase our um, selling stock price, um, because essentially we're pretty much organic now, yeah. and we don't use any fert or sprays, so um, it's just the paperwork we don't like. <laughs> <laughs> so every farmer in the land. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and also, guys, having a bit of a trial, the reason there's some of these diverse forage crops have gone in, isn't it? Um, is to see if you can find a method of going from permanent grass to herbal layer without use of glyphosate. Mm -hmm. And having a diverse forage crop being grazed out will may give a cleaner entry, either in that spring or via another crop, cover crop forage crop, to go then go in the autumn. Yeah. yeah. And um, if that can be achieved, then that would give great confidence going to put an organic system. Well, yeah. you have a way of manuring yeah. swords as and when needed. Yeah. Without having to dip into chemicals or dip in plant. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the two options. Not yeah. Currently. Because the only, only cattle we're going to keep in really this winter is um, is our our um, eight month old ones. Really. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the cows will be out on deferred grass and hay, and the um, and the the wean calves when we wean them off next week. Um, yeah, they'll be then moving into these diverse wards mm. and, and staying out outdoors all winter. Really. So um, and and then yeah, they they might not be putting on so much so many kilos per day but we're we're um, looking at the compensatory growth in the spring making up the some of the difference yeah so um, right but then you know all of a sudden yeah and, and going back you know, three years ago we used to buy an 18 ton of blend every month uh, every month to, to feed your cattle wow. so and uh, yes that was five five to six months of that a year five to six loads of that year mm. and that's fine that's yeah, gone. You, don't, you don't do that anymore yeah we we got we got our whole crop silage which got a cost to it um but um but yeah it's uh it's just looking at things differently really yeah but the breed the breed of cattle is is very important yeah you've got um yeah not knocking any continentals but yeah we we, we used to have, used to have limbs and blondes and yeah love the shape of them and um didn't love the temperament but love the shape of them but um but yeah, it's just it's just going for those breeds which is which suits your ground, suits your farm, and, and suits what system you want to do really. And um, and yeah, we want to be uh, you know, we can, we're in a fairly wetty sort of area down here in Cornwall. Uh, we can we can grow grass if um, if we have rain in the summer. Yeah. But um, um, but 
you know, it's it's making advantage. And yeah, they're, they're the whole right throughout the country. You know, you've got you've got all of all of the most of the southwest, the the, the western coast, all Wales, the western coast up through Cumbria. It's all all wetter ground, isn't it? Really, mm. it's um, it's all able to do that, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's but, um, perfect for that. Yeah. So what would you what would you say to someone that was thinking about looking at this sort of system or you know looking over your fence and thinking well, what are you doing what would you sort of encourage say to them to encourage them into this go go ask a local farmer who is doing it and um, and go on farm and see what they're doing and just ask the right questions because it's, it's too easy not to ask questions and too easy not to <laughs> not to um, go anywhere apart from your farm um, as well as call up James because James is a very um, open guy he's very helpful in the right places and he's um, he's uh, <laughs> don't mean it like that <laughs> Precision grazing. <laughs> Precision grazing, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the whole whole group. But uh, yeah. And um, Mike, what about you? Um, well, I just think yeah. After having this consultant on farm. No, dirty word. Yeah, because we all know BPS has come to an end, and it's just a case of yeah. You you've got to know your strong points and your weak points, and um, and you know while you've got a bit of government money coming subsidy coming in the next couple of years then you've got a chance to use that oh, for for some some good in the change really yeah um and and that, that to me is important yeah just just to really look yeah because because things are going to alter it's there's no good going into it with um, blindfold on mm-hmm. but things are going to alter and, and and it's been doubled up by the price of commodities as well so it's um it's a case of yeah yeah ideally get somebody in to have a look at your farm and uh, and yeah, to like, like James is and he'll come in and he'll basically yeah have an open view on what your farm is, what you want to do, and, and what you want to do is, is is one of the most important things, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, it's what you want to do. You why why do you want to do something that you don't want to do? Yeah. It's, um, well, I think like you've just said that like, things are going to alter and they're going to alter because of an external, whereas you mm-hmm. have quite clearly shown you can also alter to benefit yourselves and your farm isn't it so it's coming from both ways isn't it it's coming from That's externally fine. but internally yeah. you also can make those changes we, we 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 changed because we had to but when we had to we wanted to yeah it, it was a sort of mm-hmm. it's sort of a it's sort of a uh, yeah you we we didn't want to change but we had to change but when we did change you're like oh so it's um it's uh yeah perfect well I mean it's been really uh, lovely to come down here to Cornwall and to see the cows are just lovely I mean they were so friendly out there and of course that obviously um meet you guys as well so like yeah thank you so much for your time and yeah we're just Sorry. Well, yeah. you are. There was cake. There was cake. The cows were friendly. The cows yeah. friendly. They obviously learned from you yeah, and uh, knocks on the whole system. 
So yeah. yeah. Tried to lick her when she ran. Yeah. The fence was in the way. <laughs> that put me in a bit of back foot. <laughs> That's why we put the fence up first. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to hop put it back to where I always look at this crazy country. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Um, I certainly did. It was really nice to meet uh, Mike and Sam and of course meet with James from Precision Grazing. It's always, yeah, just so inspiring to meet farmers who are making those positive changes to their farm. Um, you know, for the farm, so from the soil biology right up to the health of the stock and for themselves as well, you know, for the farm business, for their own mental health and also just giving them back that control and also the gift of time. If you want to start making these sort of changes onto your farm, then please do contact Precision Grazing at www.precisiongrazing.com and you can book a free consultation. I really think this is one phone call that you won't regret. Take back that control for you and your farm and make that positive change to the soil biology. Not only for you, but I also think for the future farmers as well. Thanks for listening. Bye.